This is Clank Diolosa, and we are about to discuss some metal and some new wave. Don't go anywhere. This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Clank Diolosa of Clank. Hosted by Dan Terry, presented by DiscussMetal.com. It's giving people an outlet, especially since they're talking about there might not be any shows till at least 2021 right now. I was watching things the other day because like Live Nation and they were like, things are very bleak right now. And people say, well, you know, we just can't wait till this is over. And he said, well, it, when it's over, things might not go back to exactly the way it was, at least even with live music, because people are still going to be concerned about having such large groups. And you know what's going to happen. People are going to be so starved to be out like in a club or a bar that it's going to be just like China now. And they said, okay, everybody can be released. And it was like mass influx, everybody everywhere. You know, it could be a good thing for music because maybe it'll be like the roaring twenties or whatever it was after the last big craziness where that's where we had, you know, the jazz explosion and all this stuff. This could be something that it sucks now, but it might end up leading to some kind of, I don't know, musical or cultural revolution of some kind. You know, nobody knows. We don't yep. know what to expect. It's going to be a really interesting year. I know I'm a little bummed out. There was the big furnace fest that was, uh, that's, I mean, technically still on, but I don't think it's still on, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, a lot of my, a lot of my favorite bands growing up were, some of them were reuniting just to play that festival. And, um, and I was, when I was talking to Jeff from Zayo the other day, he was like, yeah, I got in my car to drive to this concert that we were supposed to play. And he's like, I don't even know if I want to get in my car and go because I don't know if it's going to get canceled before I get there. You know? Yeah. yeah it's been terrifying. Now I, I've been working every day, but, um, you know, but most, most everybody else that I talk to, they've either been at home or they're, you know, at a place where they can, I guess, continue to work. I don't, I don't know how all the shelter in place stuff works. Yeah. <clears throat> well, here they closed all the beaches, all the parks. I mean, a block and a half down the road, there's a nice big dog park. It's well, it's a regular park with a track and a baseball field that's connected to a school, and people meet there with dogs all the time. So I I walk my dog down there at least four times a day, and a lot of times we go to the beach. You know, I put up videos and stuff at the beach, and it's been really weird now because I'll go to walk past there, and Ellie will pull the leash, and I'm like, no, you can't go in there because all the signs says barricades and all this, and you know. Right. We one of the neighbors was telling me, I know you come here all the time. You better watch out. Don't come in now because it's a thousand dollar fine. If they see you on the street, it's a thousand dollar fine. And now, like even in Los Angeles, if they see you without a face mask on, it's a thousand dollar fine. So it's like it's you know, some people saying, Oh, this is getting crazy, it's getting obsessive. I'm like, but at the same point, everybody's usual routine has been disrupted. I mean, I I've been distancing myself from people for years. For sure. I'm like I, I, you know, I, I'm at the apartment complex. My job, they told me, they said mandatory stuff like, uh, you know, if a tenant gets locked out or something happens, there's an emergency, you know, a, a clogged sink, a clogged toilet or something, an emergency. That's the deal. But otherwise, everything else is on hold until this, you know, shelter in place is lifted. So, of course, I've got this list that's starting to grow and grow and grow. Right. Which at least it's not big stuff, but it's just weird because it's like, you know, some people complain. I don't understand. I can't. I can't be dropped at home. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's too much for me. And I get that because there's some people that have there's people with social anxiety, and then there's people that are like they can't be alone too much. You know, it's it's 
they have issues with it. So I can see both both sides of that. It's just it's just kind of weird because everything has just changed so much that you can't even you know, like I said, your normalcy is out the window. We're waiting to find out what the new normal is. We have what our temporary new normal is now. Like the people that are working from home or the people that their jobs shut down. And so they're just kind of like, you know, like, what what do I do all day? You know, especially if you don't have kids to entertain and to keep busy and stuff. You're like, I know people that are like, I can't, I can't possibly sanitize my house enough, like anymore. They're like, I've already bleached everything. I've cleaned everything. And they're like, they're, they're at the point where they're repeating stuff because they're out of stuff to do. Right. <laughs> it's like, like just wear a mask, come over to my place and wash the floor. I won't complain. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, for me, especially coming home from work every day, um, I have to basically come in and shower and, you know, like immediately before I, before I do anything. Cause I don't know. Um, cause I work on, I work on oxygen machines. So like, you know, I, now yeah. I, I don't think I'm working on the machines that have been used by people that have the virus, but y- you know, uh, it, there's still, th- there's still a, uh, a, a fear there that I'm going to, you know, <laughs> bring something well, home. Cause you don't know if somebody that came in contact with that could just be a carrier. They could be asymptomatic. You know, they're the cruise ship. The passing, you know, they're not a, they're not going on the cruise. They're the ship itself. So it's kind of like weird. Yeah. Because everybody and everybody's hypersensitive, and I, I get it because you have to be really careful. I mean, nobody wants to get sick and die, but at the same point, it's like, you know, I've I had four family members going through this uh, these past three weeks. My nephew is a cop in Manhattan. He's a sergeant in the, in the courts. He caught it. He brought it into my brother's house. Um, so it was like, my nephew had it. He's just, just now getting over it. He's at like 98%. He's still got this really weird. He was describing this fatigue that comes with it. He's like, I feel great, but I can't do a lot because there's, I, he's like, I feel run down. Like I just did like crazy yard work or all kinds of exercises and I'm just beat up. And my brother is just coming out of the thick of it. My one cousin Lance is in the middle of the thick of it now. And a cousin who we didn't even know we had up until about a year and a half ago, which our family just found out about, um, he's a little older. He's in the hospital. His, his breathing is compromised. So, it's, And it's crazy because that's, you know, that's a big chunk of people, you know, that I know off the bat. And then it's like I came to find out last night that my nephew, the one who first got it and infected the house, his girlfriend ended up getting it from him. Oof. And my sister-in-law's sister, who was over, her husband died three weeks ago with cancer. She couldn't, they don't have kids or whatever. And she was like, I can't go back to that big empty house. Can I just stay here? So my sister-in-law and my brother were like, yeah, 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 sure. She was there three days. On the third day, my nep- that's when my nephew got rushed to the hospital. And then when he came home, they said, I most likely have the virus. Now I'm waiting for a test. They said, anybody that's in the house now, stay for 14 days don't leave just in case because if you know he's like if i am a carrier we need to kick this out she went through all this she just went home to her house two days ago and she's now showing all the symptoms that everybody in the house had so that's the sixth person and i'm like oh my god it's like it's crazy you know like you said you come home and the last thing you want to do is Trape something in the house, you know. You need. It's almost like, uh, like in the sci-fi movies, like Alien and stuff. You need yeah. to go uh, oh, oh, the decompression yeah. chamber where they, yep. 
you. Blast you with the with the with the spray. Yeah, I was thinking uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. That that was the I watched that a few nights ago, and I was like, man, this is kind of this is kind of what people act like. This kind of what people are starting to act like now. It's uh, you know, a guy at work sneezes because you know the machines that we have are dusty. You know, yes. so you know we, we wear we wear masks and, and gloves and everything while we're working for sure. But uh, you know, every now and again, a little dust will get in there, and somebody will sneeze, and everybody gets real quiet. You know, and then we just joke around now. We all just say, nope, it ain't the Ronus, you know, <laughs> yeah. but the- I shared a mean thing. I think it was on uh, Instagram earlier and it was like, you know, something about like the same thing. Like you're all of a sudden you get that little, you get a fever and that little bit of a cough and you're just like, this is it. I'm preparing for the end. Uh, this is how I die. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it felt so weird. I, I, uh, I did an interview recently with, uh, Luke Easter, uh, who, and I just signed in for like two minutes and I was like sneezing and coughing, but it's allergies. Cause it was the, uh, the spring had just kicked in and, and, you know, I, so I'm like, I'm like sneezing and all that. And he just kind of looks at me, looks at me. He's like, you, you good? I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he told me to tell you hi, by the way. Oh, sweet. Yeah. You know what's funny with the allergies, dude? Like, even Pat from Clank, like, um, I was texting because we have a group chat. I was texting with him just before I got on because he's been dying the last two weeks. It's like he runs the computer department uh, at the college, like San Jose State or whatever it is. Uh, um, so he's been dealing with leaving the house. And I'll text him, hey, dude, how's it going? And they, oh, my eyes are killing me. My eyes, you know, scratchy, itchy, the scratchy throat. And then it was like, at first it was like, oh man, are you getting sick? Are you getting sick? And then it was like more and more people. And it was like, we can't just deal with allergy season. Now it's like allergy season mixed in with the normal flu season with the wacky weather, which is 40 degrees one day, 78 degrees the next day, 32 degrees the one day, you know, like 50 something degrees the next day and the virus on top. So it's almost like trying to decipher what what category the sneeze falls in, the scratchy throat falls in. It's like, and you, and don't, you know, it's like that whole never Google what your symptoms are because you're as good as dead. Yeah. It will tell you that you will die from the sniffles that you have. Yeah. <laughs> your estimated time left on this planet is dot, 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 dot. You're like right now writing out a wheel and stuff. Right. <laughs> Starts a little timer there in the corner of the page. <laughs> yeah, the little egg shaker, you know, the egg timer is slowly counting down. Oh, man. So with uh, with all the time and everything, and that that's how I've been. I've just been banging out these interviews lately, just because I'm like, well, who do I want to talk to? Because everyone's available, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and that's uh, it, I guess my question that I had for you is, are you doing? Um, are you have you guys been working? I know you guys are pretty much always working on music. Um, have you guys used any of this extra, extra time, uh, to work on stuff? I know you guys were doing yeah. it remotely for a while, but now you guys are local to each other. Isn't that right? Yes. Um, cause when I, when I was in Texas, we were using, um, my Mac is synced with Pat's, uh, computer. We have the software that's like, I think it's source Nexus where he can basically go in. Cause I'm same as you, like, I'm not an engineer. Pat has always been the guy I go. I'm hearing this in my head and I'll describe it to him and he clips and drags and, you know, he's the engineer. He's the tech guru in our camp. So for the longest time, it was like, we still need to be able to work. He would just control everything on my end. Since relocating back to California, um, I've gotten a little more 
savvy thanks to him figuring out some stuff um i usually do weekends at his house either friday or saturday but now since the quarantine hit too it was like because even there's a curfew here so it's not even like i'll say ah screw it i'll just go right i'm be driving back to the studio because i don't usually get back till three or four in the morning last thing i want to do is get arrested and get my car impounded or and then take my dog <laughs> you know all because i was hanging out at the studio sure so, so what we've been doing is working remotely. It's funny because he's only 45 minutes away and because uh, I'm in Santa Cruz and he's in San Jose. But even now, still, it's like, OK, well, we have the ability to work remotely. You know, um, we've been working on stuff before the quarantine. And because originally we were going to do a remix EP and then that remix EP, we were like, eh, we'll throw a couple of originals, a couple of remixes, maybe a cover song. And then it was let's just keep writing and see if we get maybe four to six originals sure, to put on here. And then, you know, the saying you got to strike while the iron is hot. So we were like, <clears throat> we kept the creativity was going, man. Like the juices were flowing. So we were like, you know what? Instead of going, okay, well we have eight songs. Let's stop. We were like, you know what? Screw this. Let's just keep going and keep going and see where it, it takes us. And I'm glad we've been doing that because now it's like, we've got 12 or 13 originals where basically Everything is done, and it's so funny to say it, everything is pretty much done except for the drums, because the way it worked out on this one is Pat and I have been able to do a lot of the pre-production and stuff, and he programmed everything out and have it, and then it was like, okay, well, now we got to work it out with the, the drummer, because the drummer's um, in culinary school right now, so his schedule is a little wonky, and especially now with this on top of it, because he doesn't drive. So it's it's been a little it's been a little harder. So we were like, you know what? Him and I have been like, hey, you know what? Let's just keep working on stuff, keep working on our remixes, and just keep, you know, our drop our the drop box is synced between the two computers. So we've been like, just keep adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. So now he's we've been mixing stuff, you know, sending MP3s back and forth, and then he'll be like, oh, I came up with this little idea. What do you think of this? And I go, oh man, all of a sudden like, because I hear something, sometimes it'll trigger a melody or a I go, oh, I can hear a drum or a guitar over this, but it's been like every time we're sending something to each other, it's been extremely fruitful and positive. So we've been like, you know what? We're, we're still mixing the songs that we have done, but we're still adding to, you know, what we call our, our, our stockpile. So it's funny now, because like when you open up um, the clank folder in Dropbox, it's like there's bits, fragments. You know, complete sketches, pre-production sketches, newest ideas. There's so many things that we were like, okay, at some point we're going to have to kind of reel it in a little. Yeah. You know, but, but at the same point, like I said, when you got that creative juices going, it's like anything else. You want to keep going and you want to, you know, as long as it, you're still being fruitful. And it's like, so we've been kind of double dipping. We're like, okay, we're going to mix simultaneously at the same time where still kicking new ideas around. And even in the middle of all this, we had a couple of people reach out about collaborating. You know, we talked to some people, there's, you know, one person in particular I was talking to for the last couple of years. I'm like, ah, you know, we should really do something. Uh, you know, I really dig your music. And this person was, I dig your music. Still Suffering was one of my favorite albums growing up. So it was kind of like, all right, see what happens. So we've been kind of in this limbo of, all right, well, when I finish up what I'm working, this is him, you know, when I finish up what I'm working on, I'll see about getting with you and Pat and working on something. 
I put up a couple of random things on like uh, Instagram and stuff, just working on beats and stuff. And yeah. it was funny. The next morning, this guy was like, hey, dude, that thing you put up last night? He goes, what are you doing with that? He goes, because if you're not doing anything, I got a great idea. Let's use that as a start for the collaboration. And I was like, bing, all right. So Perfect. I sent it yeah. to him. I sent it an MP3. Like a day and a half later, I get the text message, check your email. I just sent you something. And it was like, essentially a song sketch yeah he's like this is what i have i'm hearing this you know you and pat you know this part here this part here this part is completely open canvas do what you guys do here send me something back and let's see so we spent the last week or so sending stuff back and forth and the last thing that came through uh pat finalized ideas he was working on sent it to him and then he sent us just Two, two or three days ago, here's a most recent update of what we have. And I was like listening listening to it, and I was like, man, dude, I said, well, we have so much going on simultaneously that it was awesome that in the midst of, you know, the Clank stuff, the remix stuff, the little bit of side project stuff, because we're still, you know, he's working on something, I'm working on something, we're working on something together. It was like all this creativity at the same point. And then on top, the cherry on top of all this other stuff we've been doing was this MP3 idea floating back and forth between us and this other guy. And he was like, and I think he's mixing that. That other song is getting mixed. I think if it didn't get mixed this, like today and tomorrow, it's going to be mixed by the end of the week. So I'm kind of like, I'm stoked, you know, because yeah. like, this has been a great chance to be creative. I mean, no matter what you do, whether it's, you know, drawing, graphic arts you know even in your case specifically you're like a lot of people at home availability is at its highest right now so you know like you said get get the interviews get with people and it's it's good to see a lot of people utilizing the time to be creative even if it's just something simple like throwing a three-minute video on facebook or instagram singing or whatever or like i've seen a lot of people who never play guitar or i know they're musicians but they don't they don't push a lot of that stuff on their social media for whatever reason. And I'm seeing like more and more, ah, you know, I just took three inches of dust off my guitar right. and I'm going to play a song. And it's kind of like, it's really cool to see people kind of coming out of their shells and just being, you know, using this opportunity to be creative in one way or another, you know? So it's great to see. Well, yeah, yourself, even, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, every now and again, I'll look down, I'll look down at Facebook or Instagram or something. And it's, it's, you're, you're up there with an acoustic guitar playing a song. I either haven't heard in a hundred years or, <laughs> or something else. Exactly. I was like the other day with the Dobie Gray, you know, give me the beat boys. I've always loved that song. And I was just like sitting in the gym with the dog just messing around, playing it in the background. Like, hey, you know what? I'm just singing it. Because normally, dude, I'm so self-conscious. Like, yeah, I'm a musician and all that. But <clears throat> we go into the studio. If it takes 747 takes to get it perfect, that's what it is. So the be final it. Yeah. Product is, it's perfect. Here it is. When you're doing live or you're just like, ah, I'll just throw this up here. I got Instagram gives me 15 seconds in my stories. Let's see what I can... You know, and it's a crapshoot. Sometimes I really like it. Sometimes I second guess and I go, I'm not going to put this up. This Dude, for the four or five things I put up, there's about 20 things that are just sitting on my phone going, eh, I don't know. I'm too self-conscious. Eh. And people go, just just put it out. And I'm like, getting a little better with that. But at the same point, you know, there's the pride aspect. There's the, 
I know me. I wouldn't release this on an album like this because there's that one note that I'm like, oh, this is perfect, except for that one note where I'm totally flat. And I, that'll be one of those things, dude. It'll be like a thorn, under, like a bamboo shoot under my fingernail. It'll piss me off. It'll irritate me. And I'm like, ah, I can't live with that. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, it was pretty impressive what I saw that with that death therapy live. I mean, that was one of the most incredible things I'd ever seen in my life. And it wasn't like a trick. Like, it was, it was the real deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't live as far as it was live as far as they each recorded their parts. Right. And sent it, I mean, because to do the actual four people in a different spot, you need like a good twenty five hundred dollar program, if not more. That's just the basics, because if you really want. But I really like what Jason did. He was like, hey, man, we recorded our parts. They did three songs. I watched it earlier and I was like, it sounded great. And yes, it's not live as in. They were all performing simultaneously, but for all those people that are not getting the tea death therapy or have never seen them before, or this gave a chance for, you know, the people who are fans to appreciate it. The people who might have heard of them or heard of his old band, you know, said, ah, I'm new to some of this. It's given a chance for more people, you know, to see that and see what they do and how they do it. And I, I you know, I don't want to say a plus or a, uh, a flip side of the shelter in place and all that, but because it's really easy to point out negatives, no matter what, it's, your, your brain will automatically go to the negative first. But when you flip the script on it, you're like, you know what? People are being more creative. They're encouraging people to reach out to others more. I mean, I talk to my family pretty regularly, but we have a new family group chat and every morning everybody's in it. We video chat very, you know, we're more connected now and all because of this. So at the end of the day, yeah, this sucks and it's an inconvenience. It's hurting people's wallets. It's making some people go stir crazy. But at the end of the day, it's we've been so like this preoccupied with our tunnel vision of this is what's on my phone that now I didn't do that. <laughs> That's weird. But yeah, so it's it's good because it's it's forcing people to be more connected and even though people are spending a lot of time on their phone because you're going to be video chatting more and all that. But at the same point, it's, you know, it's forcing people to reach out to others like, Oh, Hey, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a while. Actually, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about that. If I get a weird, like wild hair in my butt, like somebody popped up in my brain and especially if they pop up more than once in a couple of days, I'm like, to me, this is a sign. Like I need to reach out to this person. And usually I'll just be like, Yo, bro, what's happening? Haven't talked to you in a while. You're on my mind. Just wanted to say, hey. And nine times out of ten, I get the, wow, dude, I've been having a really, really rough time. Your text could not have came in at a better time because I've been feeling completely, even before this coronavirus thing, it was like, I've been feeling very isolated. You know, I'm not talking to a lot of people. I'm having a really rough time. So it's just weird how something that, you know, if you just popped into your head, ah, I haven't talked to Clank in a while. I'm just going to text him and bust his balls. You know, it's like, you never know. I could be in the middle of something where I'm like, oh, dude, you know what? This is like a sign of life. Thank you. For you sure. Never, you never know, you know, and, it, and it's good to see more people reaching out, more people being connected. And I think once temporary new normal that we're experiencing now is over and we go, I don't want to say go back to our lives because we're going to go back, but I think it's going to be an altered, you know, then I, I think our, our normal, our old normal is going to be a new normal in some senses, but it's good to see that, you know, um, more people have been staying in touch and, and 
keeping tabs on each other, especially because if there's a lot of people that struggle, you know, that can't take the, the solitude, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. The, being like shut-ins, there's, you know, there's been an uptick in, you know, people with mental illness stressing out. There was, uh, you know, I was reading a thing last week about one guy, I think it was in New Jersey or something, and he basically has problems being alone, being separated from people, and he ended up killing himself. And it was really sad, you know, but at the same point, it's like, you know, this is, this is unprecedented these times. I, dude, I would have never thought, who, I mean, would you ever thought that you'd be sheltered in your house? Especially reading like social studies or whatever, like in school, you your flus and influenzas and bubonic plagues, and you're like, oh, thank God, none of that is these days. That was the dark ages, you know. And ta-da, here we are, and yeah. we're going through the same crap, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and the most terrifying part about it is that, like, you'd think that you know, well, it's because we've we've advanced, we've we've figured out how to yada 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 yada, you know, we figured out all these preventative me- methods and all this stuff or whatever. But then it turned out that all your all the preventative methods, all that stuff, it just didn't mean jack squat. I guess it is kind of like a silver lining, um, just seeing how much people actually care about each other. Because for a while, we were worried about that. <laughs> well, yeah, because humanity has a tendency to suck in a lot of ways. Because you see the things that people do to each other. It's one thing if you're doing something and you don't realize you're hurting somebody in one way or another. But in our society, we love to hurt people. We throw them under the bus and back up, move forward and back up as fast as we can just because that seems to be the nature for a while. And it's good to see now, like, people looking out for their elderly neighbors or going, you know, doing shopping for those who can't really get out who are, you know, here. I have some tenants here that are, like, 80-plus years old. So they have breathing problems. They can't be out. And I'll hit them up, hey, look, I'm running to the store. Do you need anything? Or if I come back with an overabundance of stuff, because my church gets, you know, donations for a homeless ministry. So sometimes I got full plates of food that they have a day to go. Otherwise they're going to expire. And it's like, so I'll go to like the elderly people, like people across and stuff. And I'll say, Hey, I got, you know, baked potatoes and chicken and all kinds of stuff. Are you hungry? Oh my goodness. I was wondering what I was going to do to eat for the next couple of days. This is great. And it's like, Hey, you know, it's, it's like you said, though, it's good to see more people caring in general and not, you know, it's, this is, yeah, the silver lining. It's so weird to say stuff like that, but but it's true. The, you know, the, the the flip side of it is, you know, even the, there's all the bad stuff, but it's showing, you know, more unity, more people have been, you know, for the most part, more people are banding together, more people are looking out, you know, and especially it's cool, like, especially if you have a random person you haven't talked to in a while, drop you that, you know, the text or the call or the video message. It's like, oh, man, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate you looking in. There's been a couple of people I hadn't spoke to in a couple of years that just, hey, man, I happen to see you come in my news feed, my scroll down, and I was like, oh, let me see what this cat's up to right now. So, you know, I'm like, that's cool. You know, and that's that's what we're all about right now, and that's what we should be anyway. Well, and, you know, on that a little bit, I was feeling, I was feeling kind of bad because I was like, man, you know, the last time, the last time I had you on the show was two years ago. You're in a different state. You're in a, you know, I mean, we've talked, we've talked since then on Messenger and stuff, but like it, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely been, um, it's definitely been one of those things where, you know, I always feel horrible after a while because I'm just like, you know, how are these people doing? But then I'm so caught up in my own life, all this stuff that I'm doing, all the things that I have going on for whatever reason yeah. is, you know, takes takes precedence, I guess. And, you know, in yeah. my mind, because well, life gets in the way. That's what I would say. So, you know, I meant to call you, but sorry, life gets in the way. And sometimes, you know, life, life is like a steamroller. It doesn't really slow down. <laughs> 
you know, sometimes you just keep picking up speed and it's like, you got to go with the flow, you know? Well, and on that, on that topic, um, you know, I guess one of the things I just wanted to ask, and I apologize to the listeners if you wanted us to have a hardcore discussion on music. We uh, we did that already two years ago. <laughs> you, can, you guys can you guys can go listen to it. You know, <laughs> it was, yeah, it sounded a lot better than this because Joe was engineering it. But uh, <laughs> you know, and we can always talk again when the albums are out, so we'll give people more down the road. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, one of the things um, I guess I was just wondering is. Um, you know, you you had just when I when I touched base with you, I guess it was two years ago. It might have been three. It's hard for me to even think because I remember telling Joe, I was like, "Oh yeah, we talked to we talked to Clank like eight months ago," and he's like, "No, no, I think <laughs> he's that like, was no, it's first, two years ago." That was in the first couple of months I was in Texas, if I remember correctly, because it was also pretty much right on the heels of my separation with my wife, so it was. You know, talking about a different state. Yeah, I was in a different state physically and mentally. It wasn't a good place. You know, it wasn't wasn't the best spot, but things are better now. You know, so and it's crazy because two, that's two years. Like you said, it's like you blinked, and I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, I haven't, you know, it hasn't really been that long. And I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> I know. I feel bad. I didn't grow my beard out before we did it because now I'm feeling. Uh, <laughs> well, it's I just shaved. Uh, four days, five days ago. Um, cause I have sleep apnea and I can't like, I have to wear a, a mask on my face whenever I sleep. And with the beard, I just can't do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'll right, make up for the both of us. I'll compensate for us both right now. <laughs> well, I almost, I almost made a joke earlier where they're like, yeah. And you know, if they see you out with a mask, I'm like, yeah, but at what point does it stop being a beard? And it's just your own built in mask. I mean, that's gotta be a better filtration <laughs> system than anything else. Right. Yeah. I'd rather breathe through my own hair than a piece of cotton, but that <laughs> might sound weird to some people. <laughs> At least I know it's mine. <laughs> right. No, I totally get it. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things, too, uh, to bring it a little bit back into music is uh, you released, before all this stuff went down, you had just released some free music. Yes, January 1st, to be exact. We released um, a two-song EP, uh, Brand New Clank. You know, we decided we wanted... we. This is the thing, too. We've been, like I said, we've been working on this music for like three years. Pat and I had talked, and we were like, you know what? We need to kick off the new year with something new. I mean, within the last two years, it's funny, too, because we released new music within the last two years, but they were both soundtracks for movies. And the funny thing is, we were in the middle of working on the songs that we're still working on now, but like our friend Bruce was like, hey, got this soundtrack, you know, this this movie on, um, you know, um, metal you know metal music and, this and i was like all right well okay more than happy to do it for you put our normal stuff on hold do this and then he was like hey i'm doing this um documentary on mental health and the music industry musicians and how they're affected by it i just wanted to throw out some feelers and see if you guys would be interested in and i was like stop right there yes yes yes, yes, yeah. yes you know let's do it yeah. you know, plus bruce is a childhood friend of mine so it was like anything for bruce you know so it was like so we were kind of like oh man we haven't put out any new music in a while and then we're like well actually we have two albums two full albums worth there's no vocals because it's all instrumentals but it's still technically two releases so that's why we were like you know what what that song um the, the keyboard commandos was basically the first one that was kind of finished where we were like yeah this one's done like pat was like all right mix it set it put it on the shelf with the rest and when we're ready it'll go out and then we're like you know what 
let's give the people something now. Let's start off 2020. <laughs> we were thinking, let's start off 2020 on a good foot and set a good precedence for the rest of the year. <laughs> now, musically, that's happened. Everything yeah, else yeah. kind of went to hell in a handbasket. But so we were like, we did two songs. Uh, one is Keyboard Commandos, which is obviously about trolls and, you know, keyboard warriors. And then the other song is a song that Doug Pinnock uh, had contacted us a couple of years back and said, hey, I've got, you know, my solo album and I'm, I want a remix. I want something that's, you know, bouncy and disco. And I want, you know, he was just basically describing what he was hearing. He sent us the stems and said, well, okay, do you do what you guys do and sent it back to him. And then he loved it. And then um, when we were talking about putting out the remix album, I hit him up and I said, Hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to have some originals and remixes. I said, do you care if we put the remix on there? And he said, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So we were getting, we were trying to get things together for New Year's. And Pat was like, dude, let's just make it real simple. Let's put out one brand new one, one remix. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds because it's still, you know, it's, it's Doug Pinnock. You know, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was like, so we did that. And, and it was good because we got a good, we got good response from it. Good feedback. And so we figured, I, you know, a couple of months down the road, we'll try to, you know, reel in the reins a little bit on the remix EP. And like I said, that's changed a little bit now. We're going to do a full length first and then the remixes. And the remixes are still going to end up in a two volume set. Okay. This, this is how crazy, this is how crazy our, 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 our life is because we might plan something out, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Songs will always, we might think a song is done. And then we'll go back and listen to something and not until, until it's mastered, nothing is ever done. Nothing is ever finalized. Once it's mastered, that's it. That's a wrap. But we were like, let's put this out, you know, and then we were just talking like a couple of weeks ago, trying to finalize the mixing for X amount of the songs we have now. We already have our artwork guy, Anthony, working on the cover. So it's like, okay, we're, we're collectively working towards this. We still don't have a time frame yet because the coronavirus, you know, shelter in place threw us for a loop because, like I said, every weekend, Ellie and I were camping out at Pat's, mixing. So it was like, okay, well, luckily in our situation, we don't have to just put everything on pause. Now at least we can work remotely. And it's, you know, it's kind of like what we were doing when I was in Texas, but at least it's a closer proximity. And now we have so much more. You know, we did a bunch of remixes. We have remixes that there's a couple of people who are friends of ours that we asked, we, you know, mutual respect for each other's works. We said, Hey, you'd be interested in this. Absolutely. You know? So we sent some stuff back and forth. So now once we rope in the release of all original music right behind it, the, at least volume one will come out right away. And within a few months, the second volume will come in, come out on the heels of that. Pat and I have our, electronic synth pop project we call it synth pop lullaby where it's it's kind of like goblins underwater meets depeche mode oh so my no, goodness there's no heavy there is no guitar you know no heavy guitars no distortion dude it's all sweet sweet analog synths old school keyboards uh melodies and it's cool because i kind of wanted to break out of the box because people only people know me from clank my work with Circle of Dust and any um, guest appearances I've done, you know, for Argyle Park and stuff. So most people only know the heavy and they only know the slightly lighter songs. So we were like, you know what? We we like to experiment with a little bit of everything. So this the the synth pop lullaby stuff is 
it's it's cool because it's a it's electronic, you know. It, it's but it doesn't sound like Clank. Uh, the vocals definitely don't sound like Clank. I'm being a lot more. I don't want to say taking risks, but in a way taking risks because I'm trying more vocal harmonies. I'm trying more things, and I'm you know relying more on Pat as a producer. Like, hey, dude, because normally what happens is if I get an idea for a song and we we go in there to record vocals, I go. I'm going to talk to you and tell you what I'm what I'm hearing in my head. Let's do a quick run through. I'll sing it along and I'll accent. This is where I want this. This is where I want this. And like we get done with everything. And Pat will be like, this is great. Try another harmony here. Have you tried doubling this? Let's put one in the center and two higher. Harm-. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we've been able to be a bit more creative, work out of our box. And dude, some of the stuff is like I'm just really digging it because it's it's a departure from clank. You know, like if you're putting it, if you put it on, going, ah, it's going to be heavy. You're not going to get that. But I think you're going to be just as satisfied because it's, you know, the members of clank, but it's also, it's a different expression. It's a different mood. And, you know, cause there's, there's music and a soundtrack for every feeling and every emotion. You know, you don't have to be just into heavy music or electronic music. And I, I get into that with people all the time. They, you need to just do heavy. I like to just hear the death metal sides. And then you have the other people. I like it when you sing cleaner. And I'm like, there's you as an artist where you want to get across what you want to get across. And you want to be, what's the word I'm for? Like honest to yourself as a musician. But you also have to, it's, it's, especially, it's really weird, especially once you have more than one album out. Like you put out your one album and then people have their preconceived notions. And then you're hearing about the expectations you have to live up to on the second one or the third one, or they go, this is awesome, but this isn't still suffering. Well, that's because still suffering was friggin' 1996. Yeah. But I mean, even still suffering wasn't just straight death metal, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, that's that it's the variety and that's what we try to give people now. But at the same point too, it's like the last couple of clank records, like, like uh, urban warfare and even with rise, I did a lot more with the vocal harmonies and I was just feeling a lot more comfortable with myself as a singer and as a musician. And that's one of the joys of the working relationship that Pat and I have is, you know, he's been one of my best friends for like 25, 27 years, something like that. So it's like, I, we anticipate what each other are going to do and say in a sense. That's why, like, when I say, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. He'll be like, Oh, you mean something like this? Click, click, drag, click, click. He moves the mouse around and nine times out of 10, I'm just like, I can just sit back and go, there it is. There it is. Like he was looking in my frigging head, you know? So yeah, but I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked on the new stuff. I'm stoked on, you know, the clank stuff, the synth pop lullaby stuff. You know, um, I, I, I said last year I was going to get off my butt and release at least one solo song, a clank Diolosa song. I have, it's funny cause I have a bunch of stuff demoed. I have some stuff demoed that I've had demoed since 1997 that no one's ever heard. It's just sitting on a dusty hard drive in the back. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to get to these things eventually. And I think especially more now with what's going on, it's making me, you know, I've been going through old folders and stuff more coming across old stuff. Um, and cause some stuff, you know, if I can bounce back to the, to the new, to the new client that's coming out, Right after Still Suffering came out, Pat and I were both living in, in New York. I was living in Farmingdale. He was living in Lindenhurst. One day I, I was in the shower and I had this synth line. This bass line was just 
playing over and over in my head. Now, you know, I'm washing my hair or whatever. And I'm like, I, I got out of the shower and I, and I called him and I said, oh, dude, I was like, I just got out of the shower. I've got this thing in my head and it's like, it's an earworm. It's killing me. Can I come over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on over. Come on over. So I dried up, went over there. As soon as I got there, he had like an old corn Triton. <laughs> and he laid it out. Dude, we're talking 1997. So he laid out the synth bass and we threw down some quick guitars. And that was 1997. Since then, I've tried, I don't even know how many umpteen times of uh, vocal melodies, lyrics. Everything I tried, I was not happy with. I was like, man, this song has a killer beat. I like the vibe. It's very still suffering esque. It's very also like more, I call it like raw industrial, if that makes sense. But dude, and the funny, the kicker is just before I left the end of September, 2017 to move to Texas, we were working on stuff. And originally we were like, okay, when you get to Texas within six months, boom, the album will be done. And we're going to put it out. Didn't work out that way. One of the things he did was he was like going through his hard drives and he goes, Oh man, Look at what I came across. He goes, remember this one? He goes, it's really a shame you never came up with anything for this lyrically because I really like the song. And we both sat there and had that total like, oh, like that fond moment. Like, I remember this. This is cool. He made an MP3, sent it to me. I downloaded it at the house. And then that night I was still living at the top of the mountain uh, at this point. So I had like an hour plus drive. So I'm driving up the mountain and I'm listening to this. And all of a sudden, the hamster wheels start spinning in my head, you know, and and the, the lyrics start shooting. So I pull over at the scenic overlook and I'm grabbing my, going through my glove box, jotting down on like, you know, back of my insurance card because I have nothing else to write with, you know, and then it was like, so I'm going to make my way back up the mountain and I'm singing along with what I got. And I get just about to the top again and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I, I can't lose this. I can't lose it. Uh, pull over in somebody's driveway. And I end up writing the rest of the song lyrically. So now it's like, I get back to his house and I'm at this point, I'm just like bonkers, like excited. I'm like, <laughs> dude, dude, it's done. And he goes, what's done. I'm like that song. What song? I go, you remember the one that was just marked like, you know, clank one. I think it was just a clank dancey one. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one I just made a copy. I'm like, it's done. I got lyrics for it. He goes, no way. I'm like, whenever you're available, let me know and I'll come over. So, and ironically, I think it was like two days later and it was midweek too. Cause we didn't do many midweeks just because we all had to work. And I was yeah, you know, usually yeah. getting up at like four 30 in the morning. I went to his house. Um, and same thing. I said, all right, you hit play and I'm going to read off to you what I'm hearing in my head. We go through everything. We did the song, you know, the run through. And I said, all right, blow this out with distortion. I want the, the, the verses to have heavy distortion and then, you know, more distortion, whatever on the, the choruses. And dude, by the time it got done, like he spins around in his chair and he looks at me and he goes, why the hell did that take you 20 something years to get that off? I'm like, dude, I don't know, you know, but, and now it's funny because even when I listen to it now, I'm like, I can't help but smile because it's like, you have something that, it sat for so long. And that's why we never really throw anything away. Like yeah. if there's a part I I don't like, or he don't like, we go, eh, I'm not feeling it right now, but we don't delete it. It just gets put on the shelf with everything else. And then you never know. It's at a later date, it might work out. And it's just funny because I love that song so much. And it turned out to be a song 
that we've now called apologies. And it's been basically about, you know, as you get older, the idea is to get hopefully smarter and wiser and you know learn from your mistakes. That's 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 the dream, you know, to learn as we go. But so for me too, it was like, you know, you know my lyrics, they're very, very real and lifelike. So it was like I can only write about what I feel. So I was basically writing out like a formal apology for things I've done in the past, people I've hurt. You know, there was, you know, things that you do, you don't realize sometimes the repercussions that your actions will have, whether you mean to be a jerk to somebody or not, or even if you're not being a jerk, even if, you know what I'm saying? You can just help somebody with something because you're being a nice guy. And that little bit of you helping somebody else could affect them so majorly because they're like, oh my God, you know, I was struggling or whatever. So this song took on a, a like a form of its own and now listening to it, you know, kicking back and like listening to it, it's, it brings a smile to my face and go, man, after all these years and after everything, it, it all ended up coming full circle. And I think lyrically too, it's, it's one of the most open and raw, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like an exposed nerve. It's, it's your, exactly what you're feeling, but straight there in song and uh, i just i love when those kind of things work out you know those happy accidents that's what we've always called them you know like bob ross yeah yeah dude seriously you know you you know next thing you know you got this happy little tree in the middle of nowhere and it totally makes the painting and, and sets you know and that's kind of like the same thing with some of the music you know you you, you have something you think you might be kind of cool or oh, let's mess with this and then by the time you get through it and you get to the end of all right i did this i did that double this let's put some effect here and then when you sit back and you cross your arms and you're listening to it it's like sometimes it's so satisfying to get that feeling of accomplishment like especially like in in the song apologies because it sat since you know like i said uh 1997 after all these years it was like you know not like a pat on the myself on the shoulder but it was like man dude you know this after sitting so long, I'm so glad that I didn't rush and put other lyrics that I wasn't as happy with. Because there's been seven or eight different themes lyrically, and I just I was not feeling it. And I was like, I'm I don't like being beat by something. I you know I'm I can be really competitive with some things, and if something's getting the best of me, dude, it's gonna irritate the piss out of me. Like, wow, I can't let this win. I can't let it win. But with this song, yeah. It was getting the best of me for a while and it's sad, but now it's like, I think it's the best, the, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that could be a better representation of what it is now. And I'm glad that we didn't get rid of it and we sat on it, you know? And I told people, it's like fine wine. It's not to be served before it's time. You know, it's got to, it's got to really, you know, get the flavors and, and, you know, what's the word? Not ferment, but, uh, you know, uh, grow to 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 bloom to what it is you know ripen. yeah yeah ripen exactly it, it needed to ripen and now it's like it's prime you know at least in my mind <laughs> do you do you feel like uh you had kind of maybe had to live longer do you feel like you had to had to stick around to get those experiences before that could really come to fruition I, honestly yes especially in that song because i don't call people out by name but i say you know I've heard people close to me, friendships just broke in half. Um, you know, I've done things that I regret, you know, um, and it's just like, you know, apologies. I'm so sorry. And basically, it's, you know, I had to live. I had to go through a lot of the crappy experiences to make me get to this point in life where I realized, hey, you know what? I just had that young chip on my shoulder 
somebody irritated me at this point and I was just kind of like, eh, screw you or whatever. And then now here it is all these years later, you know, you, you see a different perspective, especially when you're not 22 years old anymore. You know, like I don't take the risks I used to take because now I'm like, I can break a bone. I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> right. I'm not going to go crazy on a skateboard or, you know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden you think different, your life changes and you see things differently. It's, you're not so risk takey or, you know, like racing cars, like being a teenager, dude, I, I should be dead so many times from the near wrecks I've had on the highway and stuff. And it's like, you can always look at stuff like that. And it's the same thing with music. Like I had to live and I had to kind of see myself from a different perspective. Cause I, I went through a really hard introspection thing for a while where I was like, you know, people are telling you, oh, you're like this, you're like this. And I go, no, 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 that's not me at all. But then if you, when all the noise settles and you sit back and you go, all right, well, I'm, instead of cr crossing these people off and what they're saying, I'm going to listen to what they're saying and really say, okay, well, let me try to step outside of myself and see myself on a third person. I know it sounds really new age to say that and it's not supposed to, but sometimes if you kind of step back at yourself and look at how you're dealing with a situation or, or constructive criticism or something, you know, you, nobody, nobody wants to be told what to do. No, you're wrong, whatever. But when you sit back and you go, man, I was wrong. I was wrong. Look, Oh, wrong, 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 wrong. What the hell was I thinking? Oh my God. I can't believe I said this. This is somebody I know and I care about. Why did I do this? Because I didn't realize at the time, the domino effect of me being a prick would have been, or me having an attitude or something. And then, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of good friends where over the years, they just were like, you know what, dude, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm kind of done with this friendship. You know, like I feel like I, I'm not getting anything else out of this and it's not about getting something out of it, but I think I'm tapping out. And, and there's been a couple of times where, dude, we're talking like 20 years, 18 years where I'm like, it's irked me. You know, because I've always been like, I don't want to piss people off. I mean, it's different if you're in an argument or something and you're joking or somebody's legitimately going after you. But it was like, man, this is, so, you know, a handful of people that I really liked and I really loved as friends. And I, they wanted to have nothing to do with me. And it was like kind of like, you know, a hammer hitting you upside the head. All of a sudden, one day you were like, Poof. and I was like, wow, man, now I see what they were talking about. And then it's like, I need to, you know see if there's any way to make amends. Is there any way to salvage this? You know, I've reached out to some of those people and, and even a couple of years ago, and they were like, you know what? We had a good run, but I'm not feeling it. You know, have a good life, blah, 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 whatever. And it killed me inside because these are people that, like I was good friends with. But, you know, I've tried to better myself, learn from my mistakes and, you know, take all those mini life lessons I've learned up until now and, and put them into practical use, you know? It's a shock to the system when you, when you experience something like that, because, you know, we're all, we're all the good guy, right? In our own, in our own movie. So yeah, to speak, exactly. <laughs> we're all, we're all the, we're all the main protagonist, you know, like, especially like, like with me, you know, I put myself out there every week and give my thoughts on things and, and, and all that. And everybody hears them good, bad, ugly, and different. 
you know, yeah, um, it's all there. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, even even whenever like little stuff, like, and don't get me wrong, I, I've experienced all that stuff too. I've had people that I had massive respect for that wanted not have nothing to do with me. You know, yeah. I, I've had people that you know, or you, you even like lost jobs or friendships where you think everything's going fine, but then you you're you're so blind to the things that you're doing. You know that you don't that you don't see how it's affecting anybody else, and that that is such a shock to the system. And it's very, it's very profound whenever you come around to it. Because like me personally, I'm so stubborn that I'm never going to see it that way until I see it that way. If that makes sense, until it's like, too late. Until yeah. it's too late. Usually. Yep. Absolutely. You know, they say most people will come around. They say, yeah, but by the time you come around, it's too late. You know, and I, it's crazy. So I have something, this is, I don't normally do this on a podcast, but, uh, I have, uh, I got a, I got a message while we were talking just now from Brian Gray from the blamed. Is this live right now? No, 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 no. He just, okay. uh, he knew, he knew I was going to be on. Yeah. I was, I, I've been chatting with him for a little bit. We, we did a, um, we did a, uh, episode of discography discussion on the blamed, uh, two weeks ago, I want to say, where we sat down, we talked about every Blamed album, you know, <laughs> and yeah, all yeah. that. So, uh, you know, we, we ended up talking a little bit after that, cause, which is always like really kind of scary, right? You're like, oh, did I say something that was, you know, that was whatever. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he sent me a question that said he wanted to hear about you recording with Jim Chafin and Mike Phillips. Um, the, He must be talking about in 2010 when we did the Numb Reborn album, because we did the song uh, "Broken," and uh, we had that we we basically took our 2000 2000 release numb and redid it, re you know all reworked and stuff. And there was two songs we had Jim play on, and Mike Phillips did the solo on "Broken." Um, Mike Phillips is one of those guys that like I've always had mega respect for that dude. I know him. I've, you know, been at parties at his house. He even did like a, he has like a Rust cover band. Well, sort of, they played and stuff. So I, what did I sing? I sang like whatever. I will choose free will. I can't even remember the name of the song, but Mike sitting there with Mike was like, Hey, would you, how do you feel about doing a guitar solo? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. He sat down and his practice run through is he's like, all right, well press record, but this is not a keeper. Let's just, let me get a vibe for it. He's one of those guys that you watch. And when he goes, Oh my God, this is the worst take I've ever had in my life. For me, I'm like, it makes me want to douse my guitar and gas and burn it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> and then you do, even when it came down to the very final one, we, we had left his house because we recorded, a, uh, we recorded at his house. We left his house. We were back in San Jose and it was like a couple of days later. And he goes, Oh man, you know what? If you want to just send me that, I don't know if I'm still 100%. I'll just retract it. And I was like, dude, that was amazing. And he, it's not <laughs> even like he took him 40 takes. He did a handful of takes. And by the time, dude, and it was just one of those, like, you know, me and Ducci were just sitting there at the time, like, <laughs> like I had to pick my jaw off the floor because it was like, you know, because Jim's been a great friend for many years. I love Jim. I've done tours with him, with Left Out, with The Blamed. Um, the Circle of Dust had played with him and all his incantations of bands. Clanks played with them. So it's like, it was kind of like a coming home in a sense. It was like having two, you know, two OGs. Because, dude, growing up, I had crucified posters on my wall. When it got down to the point years later where it was like, 
oh yeah, I met Jim and I met Jeff and I met Greg and then Mark and and it was kind of like I don't want to I don't want to sound cheesy, but you know like the movie Rockstar when he goes, I grew up with these guys, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm one of them. You know, it's like that's total cheese <laughs> but it was just like that because you know Mike's a great dude. He's just one of those guys where you know you watch him play and listening to like his solo album, you listen to that stuff, dude, and it makes my head spin because I go. <laughs> You know, people go, are you a guitarist? I go, no, I try. You know? I play guitar, but, but I'm not a guitarist. Yeah, I play yeah. guitar. So are you a guitarist? No, I try to play. You know, but <laughs> then you have someone like like Mike does his thing and Jim, and it's they're just they're amazing guys, you know. And I'm, I'm glad to have the chance to have worked with them in the past, and I'm sure, you know, I'd like to definitely do some more stuff with them in the future if it allows, you know. For sure. There's a, there's a, you'll probably hear my cat going crazy. In the no, background. it's fine. <laughs> my my wife was yelling at my kids earlier. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Those are special effects. That's Joe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just got a soundboard back there. Well, um yeah. and uh speaking speaking of the blame too, you know, you did uh you had a guest appearance on um on one of their newer songs. Um Yes, Pat and I on track nine. It's funny because I still don't I don't know what the name of it turned out. Well, I'll rephrase that. When I got the MP3 from him, when he had just got done writing it, it was called Track Nine. So it's embedded in my head that it's Track Nine. I, he's gonna want to kill me. I don't remember what the actual name of the song turned into. Oh, he's gonna I be have listening. It on vinyl. He, he sent it, and the irony is, I still I have I actually have one. That is the first vinyl I've owned in over thirty something years, and I don't have a record player. Okay, so, we gotta fi- we gotta fix that. Um, yeah, I know, I know, dude. I'm just, I got I really. I don't no, I'm dead. Money, I'm so. dead serious. Like, I'm gonna talk to Joe. We're gonna we're gonna get something. We're gonna get <laughs> something for you. It's funny because Pat always gets new vinyl. He's like, I got Depeche Mode. I got this. He got Life of Agony. Did you get it on vinyl? I'm like, no. I'm like, you know, I don't have a record player. And even Brian said, "Do you want a vinyl?" I said, "I don't have a record player." And he's like, "You have to rectify that." Next thing you know, Pat calls me up. I got the package from Brian. The vinyl's in there for you. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to break my break, my cheap tradition and actually try to find something to listen to vinyl on at some point. No, we got to, I got to talk to Joe about that. Cause you know, and then, then, and then, you know, we, we got, we got to get something together. Cause I've, I've reached the point where I actually can't live without it. Um, and I'm not like one of those guys. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die on that hill. And say that it sounds better than you know a CD or or even you know high quality or yeah. lossless MP3 or well not lossless MP3 but like lossless wave files. It's a different vibe though between vinyl and digital, dude. Because I pay attention because you it's it's a whole thing. I mean you you take it out, you put it on, you put it on your platter, put your needle on, you press play, you know, and, and it's just and you're sitting there looking at the artwork. It's ceremonious. Yeah, it's like a ritual. Go, yeah, ritual, ritual. That's better. Like ritualistic, because for me too, it's like you put it on. Then for me, it's like I gotta scour the cover. One, like I have these little weird ticks where it's like I don't know why, but I always look up what are the publishing company names because especially the members of the band usually have each individual publishing company. So you know, like Soundgarden, Chris Cornell's was like in one ear and out your mother music. You know, like there's everybody comes up with their little like mine is Dealosa Worldwide Publishing, patches like, you know, Smoke Dog Music. I've always been, I've been kind of fascinated by liner notes, you know, and that's the one thing you lose 
when everybody's, you know, when they stop with the CDs and now it's, it's either just MP3 downloads unless they offer, you know, uh, a PDF, which ironically, that's one of the things I'm looking into doing with our releases from now on, at least with the full length one, because I want to give people a little more artwork. I, I miss having lyrics. I miss having special thanks. I miss having all that because of the ritual, the ceremony of going through it. And I kind of want to bring that back, but it, but it's true though. It's, it's a different experience when you have vinyl, you know, and just, like I said, especially for me, it was like that ripping open the plastic when you first open the cardboard that, you know, not to sound all Joe Biden about it, but when you <laughs> take a sniff of that vinyl, it's like, it's intoxicating, you know? Yeah. No, it is. And it. for reference, the song that you were on was uh, called Never Wanted to Be Alone With You. That's it. That's yep. it. That's it. That's right. Yep. It's all I good. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe when Joe edits this, he can uh, he can make it sound like, you know, <laughs> make it sound better. <laughs> like uh, I'm a little less of an idiot. Yeah, I was yep. part of this. I have no clue what it's called. Knowing, yeah. knowing Joe, he's just going to leave it all in the way it was. <laughs> Yeah. He'll just intensify the cat meows and the noises in the background. Yeah, absolutely. He'll just he'll just crank them up a couple of decibels. It'll be fine. But uh no, I remember thinking that was really cool too. And you know, one of the things, um having the opportunity to talk to Luke Easter, I did I, I unfortunately couldn't talk to Brian Gray on a podcast because his voice is kind of messed up right now, but he um you know, it's just just hearing him, hearing all of you guys talk about each other, like it's there, like there's just this giant family there that it just never, you know, it's it's like a secondary family. Like you guys have all, it almost seems like you guys have always been around each other, working with each other, being just like, I mean, hey, dude, it'd be really cool if you did this, you know? Yeah, I do. Think about all the shows and tours we've done together in the past, like playing with like Tourniquet and the Blade. And dude, I played with Left Out. I was like. Filling guitar in the blame, filling with left out. I played with Brian in Six Feet Deep for a while because Brian was playing bass for Six Feet Deep, and their guitarist Mike Schaefer couldn't take some time. Something happened in one of the last two tours that Six Feet Deep had before they before they broke up. They were like, "Man, we have to cancel this tour." Blah blah blah. And then I got this phone call from Tom, the drummer, and he's like, "Hey, dude. Uh, so we have these shows booked." And I know Circle of Dust just broke up like three months ago. Um, how do you feel about coming to Elyria, Ohio, and rocking out on stage with us? And I was like, uh, what time is, you know, what time is my flight leave? Kind of, you know? So especially in that situation, it was like, here I am again, once again, with Brian Gray. That's why Brian Gray is the Kevin Bacon of music, by the way. It's six degrees of Brian Gray. All right. Because he is the man. You can bring that up to him and he'll laugh, but it's true because I can pretty much track everybody down to Brian Gray. The kicker is the bass player in my church presently is a good friend of mine. I, he was in left out. His name is Brent. He was in left out all these years later. Here I am. You know, I was on, I was in New York on the East coast. He's always been out here all these years later. I see him. Well, before the quarantine every week, I talked to him, you know, we text frequently and this and that. And it was like, all this came full circle because of friggin' Brian Gray. And I mean that with like the most ultimate of like love and respect. Cause Brian was also just here in December too. So I got to see him for the first time in forever. And it was just so awesome. And it was like, music has been such a blessing to me because 
mo- a, lot, a, a big chunk of the people I know and that I talk to and that I'm good friends with and I have just truckloads of memories with over the years are because of music, you know, shows with Tourniquet, shows with Brian, shows with this Cornerstone, you know, Purple Door Festival, all, all these things over the years, all the trips. And it's kind of weird. I kind of wish I was better back in the day about having a journal or a diary just so I could, because I have, I feel like I've forgotten more stuff than some people will ever learn in their life. You know what I'm saying? Because after so many years, all the faces kind of bleed into one. The venues, unless there's something that really sticks out, like, you know, a fire or a sound system blowing up or some kind of crazy circumstance. You know, and Brian's been really good about that. Even when he was out here, we were talking and comparing notes. He goes, wait, do you remember when we did that tour with Brian? Do you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we did this? And it was like, dude, my head was spinning. I was like, I totally forgot about this. Yeah. And we had we had so many laughs about it. It was like, and it was great because he was reminding me of things that I forgot because he was seeing it from his perspective. And then I was remembering things he hadn't remembered or wasn't even aware of at the time. So it was really cool to compare notes, you know, dude, my very first flight. Okay. My very first flight on a plane was when I was in 15, when I was 15 years old and I was in high school and I flew, you know, to, it was a school trip to England my, the, the the second flight I ever took in the United States was because of Brian Gray. I took a flight from New York to California to help uh, help produce the Blame album. You know, the 21, their debut album. That was my very first stepping on a plane to, in the United States to stay in the United States was because of Brian Gray. And the kicker, which I don't even, well, he probably does remember is, um, we did the album. We ended up going to Huntington Beach. And we stayed at the, it was infamously referred to as the Huntington Beach House. Mark Solomon, Jeff, uh, Jeremy Moffat, all like the who's who of the, you know, early 90s, you know, Christian hardcore and rock and punk rock, basically all posted up in his house. I spent the night there. The next morning, Brian was supposed to take me to the airport for my flight home. That was, that morning was the major earthquake where the highways collapsed. Oh my I, goodness. Dude, he got, we were running late. The only reason we even woke up was because the lamp was doing this. The bookcases <laughs> were shaking. The house was shaking. And then Brian was like, Oh my God, I got to get you to the airport. He got me to the airport. I was literally running in the terminal. I got on one of the only two flights that got out of that airport. Totally that day. You flew out in the middle of an earthquake. <laughs> Yeah, on one of the only two flights that got out that day, dude. So it was like, once again, it all comes back to Brian Gray. You know, it all comes back to Brian Gray. I love that dude. That's awesome. That's uh. Now, did you did you play on that Twenty One album at all? I did. There's a hidden bonus track. Okay. I was just kind of messing around doing like Xander, doing like gallops, and then Brian was like, "We should record that." I'm like, "It's nothing. I'm just messing around." He goes, "No, we're gonna record it." So Jim threw some drums, and he goes, "Just growl." I'm like, I don't have any lyrics. He goes, doesn't matter. So I was just like, like growling for like two minutes or something like that. <laughs> and I think I did, you know, a couple of little notes here and there, but it was just, uh, and that, again, that was the first album that I ever really had a hand in because at that point too, with circle of dust, I wasn't on any of the albums or anything. Uh, so with Brian, it was like, Hey, we're going to have you come out. I'm going to have you do this. I'm going to do this. And then, so now it's like, that's literally the first thing in my, aside from, you know, being in Circle of Dust, it's like my first 
real accolade was this is the first album that somebody brought me in from where I live to where they live because they valued my opinion or my craft enough and they believed in me enough and had faith in me that they wanted me to be there when they recorded their album, like helping them out. And I was like, that was huge for me. You know, I was, I was 22 years old, 23 years old, you know? So insane. It's yeah. really insane. That's why this all comes back to all these memories are because of music. Like dude, the thousands upon thousands of faces between cornerstones, the regular shows, the festivals, you know, um, I mean, look, Ducci, his real name is Dan Owsley, was a good friend of Brian Gray's. He was the guy who Brian was like, yeah, I'm filling in on guitar for you, but I know this guy, Dan, and he's in high school, but he really wants to play and he loves still suffering. We basically, Danny graduated on a Friday and then Saturday morning we left for tour. Oh my goodness. So he graduated high school and basically went away for like three months. So it was like, <laughs> you know, and it was, and he was one of Brian Gray's friends. So it, it all, dude, it all friggin' comes back to Brian Gray. All of it. <laughs> so this is the big because I need to I need to run a I need to run a documentary series on how everything runs back to Brian Gray Brian in some Gray. way, shape, or form. <laughs> Seriously, it does. It does because he's you know because first of all, you're never going to meet another a guy like him. He has a huge heart, um, very passionate about music. Just always um, with the help help calling people. Are you okay? You know. All these years, over the years, it's like, even if I don't talk to Brian for a couple of months or something, anytime we talk or whatever, it's it's like one of those people you pick right up where you left off, you know? And, and even when he came out here, it was like, we got to hang out like a couple of hours one day. So I got to see his mom. I got to see his dad. I got to see his sister. I got to meet his kid, which was trippy because I'm like, dude, it's funny. Your kid is like less than half your age and he's two feet taller than you. Like, right. you know, it was like... I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, you have a kid and he's right here and he's huge. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was just a true, it was just very surreal in a way because, you know, and then you know what the kicker is? I met Brian Gray when Clayton, his brother and I drove eight hours from New York to Pittsburgh to see Mortal. Okay. Because Brian was playing guitar. No, Brian was playing bass and Jeff Ballou from The Crucified was playing guitar. And that was when I first met Brian and the very first time I met Jeff. Because I was like, man, this guy looks familiar. This guy looks familiar. This guy looks familiar. And Brian's like, oh, hi, Brian. He's like, you probably know Jeff from The Crucified. And I was like, what? Like, true? <laughs> ah! You know, like, that was like my, you know, I don't want to say starstruck, but it was just kind of like, at this point, it was like I was just starting to get out and meet people in other bands. And they were like, oh, yeah. I know Circle of Dust. I love this stuff. Oh, hey. So, and all of a sudden, you know, Brian, hey, Brian, hey, hey, let me give you a phone number, Clank, man. Stay in touch with me. Stay in touch with me. And, you know, same with Jeff. And then after that, it was like Cornerstones and any festivals or, or just coming through like Chicago or wherever Brian was. It was like we'd see each other and you just, like you, like I said, you, you didn't skip a beat. And all of this has been made possible through the joy of what we call music. You know, I, I the bulk of the people on my friends on Facebook and stuff. It's like, I have some family. I have, you know, those couple of people from like, you know, elementary school on up, but the big chunk of them are people through what, my music career over the years. And it's, it's so bizarre. And I, I've been thinking about that recently. Cause it was like, 
it's crazy how many people you meet just from music, you know, people going to concerts, you know, you might meet somebody. I met somebody, my ex-wife, Eric and I were waiting online at, at, um, Nam festival to meet Alice Cooper. We wanted to go and just meet Alice Cooper. We waited like two, two, two and a half hours. And then he was stuck in traffic. Turns out we didn't get a chance to see him because we said we weren't going to wait online like four hours. The dude that was in front of us, we struck up a conversation with. He was so cool. I'm like, dude, that was in 2011. I still talk to this kid on Facebook. You know, he's he's involved with some of my favorite TV shows because he now works in Hollywood. So it's like, it's just really kind of surreal because all this because of a mutual love and respect for music of some type, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. I mean, and that's not to, it's, this podcast isn't about me, but like, it's definitely like how I feel a lot of the time is just being able to, to sit down and have these conversations. And it's all, it is all just for the love of music. It's just for like, and of course, you know, me, me being on the fan, you know, I wasn't out with you guys playing. I wasn't out, you know, like, but it's, 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 it's all of this time later being able to kind of get these, get these stories, get these ideas, you know? And I feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm chronicling something that wasn't ever really chronicled. Like you said, you guys weren't keeping diaries. You weren't keeping, no. you know, uh, and there was we, no podcast then. No. There was none of this then what you're doing. So now, like you said, you get to like, for you, it's for us, it's kind of reliving the memories for you. It's kind of like living through everyone that you interviews memories, especially if it's bands that you like and you had respect for. I'm like, you know, it goes different. It's like, you know, you talk, especially when you talk to somebody for the first time, because it was like, yeah, we talked on Facebook, whatever. And then now it's like, yeah, you're not just like the guy that interviewed me. You're one of my friends. It's like, and it's weird because even in your situation, you go and you go from band to band or artist or whatever. And now it's like, after these years of doing what you do, you're like, you look at you, know, you look in your your contacts in your phone and you go, these aren't just people that I grew up listening to. Like I can text this guy when I want. I can call this guy and he'd be like, hey, Dan, how you doing, man? Great to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in a while. It's it's that in itself is kind of surreal too because it's that whole you know you look up to these people like I said with, with like the crucified and stuff and then you know to play the first time I jumped on stage and it was like okay Jim we're gonna. We're going to, okay, it was The Blamed was playing at Cornerstone. Brian said, Still Suffering had only been out. Still, Actually, Still Suffering hadn't been out. and But he had the demo I did for Animosity. And he's like, Jim learned it. I learned it. I think I got it. Show me the song so we can do it in the middle of our set. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, in the middle of The Blamed set, we're just going to bust out and play a Clank song. And it was like, oh, yeah, all right. And then dude, it's like that. In, say, that inner fanboy in me too is kind of like I got Jim Chapman playing drums, you know. It's like, yeah, no, it it is. It, it's literally one of those like you look around like like for me, what it is is I just try to be I try to be like super whatever about it. Any conversation with anybody is a conversation with anybody, but like one, it's whenever I sign off and I send that file to Joe, and I'm like just talk to clank for two hours. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm looking at my clank <laughs> albums on my shelf and it's like, it becomes like, it's almost like it doesn't become real to me until I'm, until I hang up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and did this just happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing, but, um, you know, and I think, I think with the modern medium and stuff, it's really, 
I think I think this stuff has to be comp has to be chronicled. I think it has to be um really the words escape. Remember, me. it has to be it has, has to, to be, be remembered for others to experience. Exactly. Uh, because like you said early on in this conversation, we're not really sure what the future looks like right now. You know? And yeah. and so to 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 have these experiences, to have these connections and stuff, I think it's really important. And that's that's why I take the time out of my week. I'm glad you took the time out of your week. You know what I mean? Just to have just to be able to sit down and have a conversation because I like it's one of those like I don't care if this podcast gets a million downloads. I'm glad that we had this conversation. Yeah, exactly. You Especially know? because it's like a Pandora's box. Even if you have an, a, not even a script, but like, let's say a bullet point of what you want to get across. You know how it goes. Sometimes you might get sidetracked. You go off on a tangent and it might not be exactly what you originally had intended, but that's okay because of everything else that encompasses in that conversation. Sometimes you find out, you know, facts and tidbits you never knew about people before. You go, Hey, you know what? I'm glad we didn't. Because, you know, some people are very, well, we need to stick to the format, stick to the format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. That's cool, too. But I like a little bit of leeway. I like the, you know, not the typical questions. I like when, you know, it's it's different It's because it's 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 uh, it's refreshing when it's not just the same. You know, I mean, everything serves its purpose. You know, there's some people that are just they're just very cut and dry. When did the band start? How old are you? Blah, 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 blah. That, then that's fine. Why but the name cool Clank? When, yeah. I can, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you do another thing like this and it's like, you're not afraid to veer off topic or if we end up, you know, completely left of center, it's like, well, Hey, you know what? This, you know, like we always joke like Pat and I were like, Hey, this, this wasn't in a fine print. This was an unscheduled stop, but I'm glad we made the stop. You know, I'm glad we came up on this station because you know, we wouldn't have had all this other stuff. Absolutely. Well, and there's one thing I do want to bring up. Um, speaking of documentaries, and, and you were on a documentary. You were on the Circle of Dust documentary because how could you not have been? You know, <laughs> um, and that was a while back. And I apologize. I, me and Joe actually sat up and watched it. Uh, I think it was like the night it came out. We got the digital version and watched it. And because yeah. um, we're you know we we were huge Circle of Dust fans. We were huge Clank fans, and and all that. Um, how 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 uh, this is a this is a hard question to ask because I don't want to say anything that's going to be like negative about anybody, <laughs> you know, but, um, what was it like for you being, being asked to be on the documentary and, and the filming and, and all of that and your own personal thoughts about the documentary, which you can go into as much detail about as you want or not. Um, I was reached out to by James at fixed. Um, and he said, Hey dude, we're, he basically, he sent a text and said, we, um, we're, we're doing a documentary on circle of dust. It originally was supposed to be just on Clayton's old production style, like how he did the early stuff. That was what it was just going to be. It was just going to be basically about his production style. Cause he was very unorthodox. He didn't have any training or whatever. He basically got a bunch of gear and was like, I'm just going to mess with this crap until I think I figure it out. You know? Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, you know, I'll, I'll do it. At that point, Clayton and I hadn't really spoken in many years, but he was like, look, he said, um, Clay asked me to reach out to you and asked if you would be interested in doing this. And I said, you know what? I think it definitely would be very cool, you know, and um, and it, it, I love the way it turned out. It was definitely trippy seeing 22-year-old me being interviewed. 
outside. That footage of me being interviewed was outside Nashville State Penitentiary when we were shooting the Telltale Crime video. So it was it was kind of surreal and trippy because I was like, first I'm like, I don't even remember this. I'm like, oh look at me, my hair's like just touching my shoulder. I got like peach fuzz, but it was it was really cool. And the cool thing about that is. I was honored and happy, first of all, just to be asked to be a part of it, you know, because it was it was an awesome time in my life. It was the beginning, the kickoff of what would be my musical career. It was literally the springboard. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, I got a record deal from Brandon Ebel without him hearing any music. Basically, <laughs> he, he heard the song de- on uh, the original version of Animosity from Demolition. The super brutal version. Out, yeah. The, the, yeah. And he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was already like, he wanted it. Like he was like, Hey, so, uh, I heard, um, you know, I know circle of dust isn't doing anything. Uh, and I know you said you were going to work on this like death metal project. Do you have anything you could send me? And I was like, just that one song. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I heard the REX sampler and that's cool. He goes, but, uh, um, do you want to do an album? And I was like, yeah, you know, and it was funny because it kind of also shows how the industry has changed because back in the day it used to be, you invite labels down, you do showcases. If you're lucky, somebody from a label is at a bar or a club and they just happen to stumble across. Right, you, right, right. Yeah. You know? And so I basically had a record deal. Uh, and the big chunk of it was because of the popularity of Circle of Dust. Because he knew come hell or high water, even if it didn't sell like Circle of Dust was selling, because Circle of Dust was selling pretty good, he could guarantee there would be some following. The crossover sale. Absolutely. Yeah. And luckily for me, it worked in its favor, but I loved the circle of dust stuff. You know, it was bitter when it ended only because it was like, in my mind, I was like, this was my ticket, man. You know, this, I was like, this is, that's when I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That rush, that getting on stage, no smack, no drug or whatever could ever compare to what it's like when you, Especially in your twenties, man, it was like for me, it was it was crazy. But and then to be asked to be a part of it was was awesome because James was doing you know there's only some of the stuff we talked about ended up in the inner uh, in in the video. Sure, there yeah. was probably another hour hour and a half worth of stuff that never even uh, made it onto that. So who knows what if any of that stuff will pop up down the road? But it was good because after that it kind of opened doors for Clay and I to kind of start communicating again, because, you know, we, we hadn't talked for many years and this kind of also falls into line with apologies. You know, with the song sure. Like sure. Because yeah. We, you know, it wasn't the best, it wasn't the most amicable split. I was annoyed. I'm sure he was frustrated with me being pissed off. And, you know, over the years I was annoyed. I said things and, you know, that guy's a jerk, rah, 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 whatever, you know? And, and I had to make it known. Said, Your feelings you know are what? hurt. You say things. Yeah, sure. Exactly. There's a breakup. No breakups are, I don't care how amicable a breakup is. They're never fun. They're never good. You know? And I was, and I was bummed. I was hurt. And you know, I, I got to the point where I didn't want to talk about circle of dust for many years. I sold a lot of my memorabilia and stuff I had, but I also, again, like you said earlier, like growing and making the mistakes and getting later on in life. It was like, <clears throat> you start to realize how little some of those battles meant that you put up, you know, like that saying, pick your battles is so dude, when you're young, you don't, it doesn't have any concept. Cause I'll oh, fight everybody. Everything is, it doesn't matter what you told me to shut up. That's it. Ah, ah, you know, let's it's go. Like, yep. 
exactly like ah oh, throw down you know it's like it got to the point where like i was able to like even now like every couple of weeks or so clay and i text um that's I don't awesome know if you saw, i don't know if you saw he's doing the 20th anniversary or 25th 20 i don't know um the debut circle album he's he did he redid one enemy yeah he yeah he reached out to me dude i at his request, I cut vocals, death vocals for a, a song that was on the debut album because of the what I used to do live. I was oh. walking at the beach one day and I get this text. Yo, dude, what are you up to? Oh, walking the dog. What's up? Hey, I uh, just want to throw something out there and I want to know if you'd be interested. Um, basically, he said, I came across all my old gear and I'm digitizing all the old files. So I can do a remix remaster and plus we're going to be ending up putting out remixes. You know, I'll have artists do remixes. Maybe I'll make some stems available to the public because that's something he's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. He said, would you be interested in doing some vocals for this song? He goes, you remember what you did live. Right. And I was like, uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so he sent an email uh, with a, with a, a link, like a YouTube of, of, song from like 1990 1995 in atlanta and i was like oh man i totally forgot about that and then he said i want you you know if you don't mind start here end by here give me a couple of different things you know this is what i'm looking for but i want you to do you and let's see what happens hopefully it's it fits what i want to do because then i can use it so i went over two two or three days later i went to pat's house and I think we sent him 10 or 12 different tracks to choose from of doing different variations of that. And then when I texted him like two days, I said, hey, man, I, you get a chance to go through that? And he said, oh, man, I just started last night. And he was like, some of this stuff is gold, dude. And it was it was really, really cool because coming full circle. Haha, <laughs> circle. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. And that was, the, you know, the, the name of the documentary. It was like. The documentary, doing the documentary helped open the door for us to start communicating again. And then here it is, you know, the two years, three years later, random tell hey man, happy holiday, happy Christmas, what are you doing? Ba 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 ba. You know, and then when he when he reached out about this, we went back and forth, you know, and then it was like, hey man, he's like, Do you ever come down to LA? I said, sometimes, you know, and he said, Well, let me know next time, because he's living in Los Angeles now. He's not in Detroit. He's like, uh, let me know when you come down this way. It's about time we got together again. And so that's huge for us, for me, for him. So it's like, it's been really cool to be like, just like, even like when this whole uh, shelter in place started, he was one of the first people that came to mind. Cause I know he's got, you know, he's got two kids now. They're young. I know he's married. I said, Hey man, just reaching out. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, this is a new thing for us. So I just wanted to see how you're doing. How's the family, you know? And so we've been, keeping tabs on each other. And it's been really awesome because it's like, you know, I feel, I feel good. I have my friend back, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And there's been a lot of speculation. People are like, Oh, I saw you did that. You know, I, cause I put it on my Instagram and I put it on the band page. I said, did anybody see this? And when they were like, you know, it was a, it was a, uh, um, an Instagram post he put up and it was a screenshot of his files. And then it said clank vocals. And dude, as soon as he put that up, dude, my inbox and my text messages were like, 
Kaboom! Like, yeah. Machine in Vegas. People are like, dude, what's going on? Is this a hoax? Is circle back together? And I was like, whoa, whoa, no. I said, take you know, it back a few notches. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, foot off the gas. I said, you know, I was asked to be a part of something. I definitely obliged. Um, and then it was like, are you guys going to play again? Are you this? I go, you know what? I don't know what the future holds. I did make it known to him that should he decide, because, you know, he doesn't really do many live shows. And I know he hasn't done Circle since we all played together. And I, I told him, I said, hey, man, I said, I'll just to let you know, I said, I have a very flexible schedule with my job and I have ability to go away. I said, in the event you decide you want to do some Circle shows, I said, let me know because I'm not just interested. I'm very interested and I would love to. And his was. Reply was, well, my kids are extremely young right now. I really have no plans to do any shows whatsoever in the immediate future. But I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what holds after that. He's like, but I'm definitely going to keep this in mind. And I even had spoke to Jason because I still I still talk to uh, Jason, the drummer. Uh, he li- he lives in the Carolinas now, so we we text, we send you know funny memes and stuff. And I hit him up uh, a couple of weeks ago and I said, ah, you know, I mentioned to Clay that if, you know, if he ever got a wild hair in his butt and he wanted to go out and do some shows, I said, I'm down. And he goes, why didn't you call me? I'm like, what, would you play? And he's like, dude, he goes, I haven't played since the last time Circle of Dust played. He goes, but I have no problem dusting off my kit and doing what we do. And that made me feel so good inside, too, where it was like, you know what? I'm not going to make any predictions, but I've learned at at at, at going to be 49 years old this year. I've learned to never say never because there's a lot of things I swore I would never do that I've done, and now it's at the same thing with him. It's like it would be great, man. I would love to be able to go out and you know just because it'd be great. Because dude, I I know my body might ache and I would feel my age, but I would totally feel like I'm in my 20s again, my early 20s. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, you back to that point in time, you know, like, dude, the early 90s was was magical musically, especially for like, you know, R.E.X. music. And when Tooth and Nail came in, there's a whole that whole time is that's why so many people. It's very sacred to people because it's just it's not it's not like it is today. There was so many bands and, you know, Tooth and Nail was exploding and they had Tooth and Nail Fest and all these festivals. And, you know, you, you could just. Almost like every weekend, you can pick and choose what awesome tour package you wanted to see because somebody was coming around, you know. And over the years, you know, things change. People get older; they have, you know, kids, mortgages, and stuff. Bands break up, or you know, go on hiatuses. But it's great because, like you said before, Fergus Fest. You have all these bands that haven't even talked to each other or whatever. And they they said, you know, we're gonna do this. We'll get back together and we'll do this. So. I'm with you on that. Like I've never been to Furnace Fest, but I've got my fingers crossed, man, because that would be something that, you know, it's for those who weren't, um, how can I say it? For those who weren't either born in that time frame or old enough to actively get involved with driving six or eight hours to see a show, this is like, it's like the Mecca. It's like the, you know, we're all driving to this to see, to get another glimpse of what it was like once upon a time in a past day in the heyday of music. Yeah. I mean, I still do it to this day. I mean, last year I drove five and a half hours to see Zayo. They were in Indianapolis. And I was like, you know what? 
I can ma- I can do it. I can make uh, it. I can make it. <laughs> yeah. And I went and it was incredible. And those guys still sound like they did 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's just um, same with Living Sacrifice. Uh, I was very disappointed that the they had a, like a 30-year anniversary show. It ended up getting canceled, unfortunately. It was going to be amazing. The blame was going to be there. I remember thinking, like, I'm going to bring my laptop, my microphone. I'm going to do so many interviews. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's going to be incredible. And then, uh, it unfortunately, it ended up getting canceled, which, don't get me wrong, that is still the plan when it eventually gets... Uh, and the, the only plus in that, too, is it was it came up so quick where it was like, there was so many people that were like, well, the tickets are almost sold out. I can't get the time off from work. This one can't do this. When when they just said that we you know we're still looking to do this, it it's probably going to be at the same venue unless they can find a place. If, dude, if they can find a place a little bigger and the other place will honor the tickets, that would be kind of cool because at that point maybe I can even fly in because I was checking into it, but it was like, man, for me to do this, I'm like, I can do this, but I'm going to put myself in a financial. You know what I'm saying? I'll put myself in the bind to do it. But on one hand, you know, the devil on my shoulder was like, that's rock and roll, man. You oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are your boys. And on the other side, it was like, yeah, but you like having a nice credit rating. You right. like not having to be poor and penniless. You know, it was like, no, this aren't the consequences because if you dig this hole, it's going to take months to get out of, you know. But now, now that, you know, because all these months go by, let's see where it ends up where they end up having it and when because i know you myself there's so many people that were like oh man you know it was eight hours away or six hours away and it just sucks because now it's not even happening i'm like well in in their mind it is going to happen it's just a matter of when yeah you know oh i'm there i i listen to the devil on my shoulder you know like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be in that mosh pit you know and yep. you know if all things work out you're going to be there too you're going to hit me and i'm going to be like worth it you know what i mean <laughs> like it's going to be awesome and Dude, um, we're going to have to totally look at each other and and have that moment where i'm going to look at you and we're going to be like yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This we were talking about this, Let's you know? do this, yeah. And it, exactly. you know that like that sort of stuff. I mean 90% of why i do this what i do is just just to feel that feeling of being 20 again. You know, and and being, uh, I feel really old even saying that, but like, it's just one of those, like, it's that feeling that like, I, like you said, never say never. I would have never imagined that this many years would go by and I'd still be like, oh my God, living sacrifice, playing a show. How do I get there? Exactly. (laughs) You know, how do I get there? How do I, how do I make this happen? Um, and you know, I want to go and I, you know, and again, I'm. Oof, I'm a dad. I've got four kids. I've got a wife. I've got a mortgage. I have a full-time job, I, you know, uh, which I'm very thankful for. I know a lot of people don't have a job right now, but, like, it's still, yeah. like, very, um, very surreal. And just the idea that I'm going to get to, you know, th- through doing this, I'm going to get to actually talk to people that, like, already actually know who I am. I don't have to do the thing that I did when I was a teenager. Exactly. And be all, like... Oh my God, I love you guys. I think you guys are great. You're the best band in the entire world. You know, like all, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, yeah. fortunately, fortunately, modern technology has made it to where I don't have to do that anymore. But, um, yeah. you know, like these, these shows are so important. And like you were saying about the circle shows, like not that they're happening. I mean, we're not trying to convey that they're happening, but, um, if they ever, if they ever were to happen, I mean, just imagine the impact that that would have on the fan base. 
And I'm so yeah. thankful. I'm so thankful that Clayton even was like, like that he resurrected the circle of dust IP yeah. or so, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, because it made people, it very real. Out on that. Yeah. You know, the people, the people that never had a chance to experience it. Um, so now it's like everything has come back around where I, I thought it was cool because especially with the stuff he's doing now, like, He's got whatever million or millions of followers with his cell dweller stuff. So it sets a great platform for him where you can resurrect the old discography and the old catalog. And you have people that they might be diehard cell dweller fans that never knew a circle of dust. They're like, wait, this is what you came from? Because don't forget when he stopped circle of dust, it was, he was more like, it was a bitter thing for him. You know, he was like, ah, I'm, I'm done with it. Like he said in the in the in the, um, the documentary, I burned all my crap in the back in the garbage can. It was like I'm done. I'm tapping out. I'm done. You know. So here it is now. All these years later, it's 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 an avenue where the old school diehard fans, their heads are spinning off their shoulders, going, "You're wait a minute. You're doing remixes, remasters, and new music. Oh, like does not compute. People are like tripping. And then when you have like you know, um, the anniversary releases, the new remixes coming up, you know, just the vinyl the releases. Yeah. Well, from just from the documentary and stuff, like I said, with, with the people that were contacting me, it was like, Oh my goodness. It was great to see so many people from back then that were a part of it that were still like, man, this stuff, it still brings a tear to my eye. Like I remember, and I do, I've got friends that drove like, eight, 10, 12 hours to see circle shows. And I, I'm a, we played in Atlanta. We had my friend, I, two of my friends flew in from New York to Atlanta to, to be there for to what it turned out to be our last big show, uh, in Atlanta. So it was like, even for myself, it was like, you know, going through some of these old home movies and, and memorabilia that I had, it was kind of surreal. And now it's like, man, to see people who, they were only 20 years old. I mean, dude, they weren't even alive when Circle Dust was in its heyday. And now we're like, hey, you know, I, I got, you know, I, I saw something on the Circle of Dust. Are you the same guy? Because I saw, I have a bunch of mutual friends and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. And they're like, oh, dude, Noah, I had no clue. I got the Brainchild album. And, you know, people people kind of trip out. And, it, and it's kind of cool, too, because I'm like, man, it's great to see 25 years later, a whole new fan base is finding out about what other people have been talking about for 25 years. And now they get to experience it and it's, and it's fresh and it's new for them. It's not like it's, it's not a rehash. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's actually ahead of its time. Like that's yes, the thing that get like, like you listen to a song like deviate. You, you tell me, you tell me that song can't stand toe to toe with, with a lot of the heavy songs that are out there now. Exactly. I mean, especially exactly. especially with how it's been remixed and remastered, and you know what I mean. Like it just booms through the speakers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I nerd out to that song every time it comes on my shuffle because I'm like, you know, I don't care if I'm at work. I'm I'm st- I'm standing at a desk, you know, fixing a, a machine, and I'm just like, you know, like <laughs> yes. you know, that uh, you know, it's it's even the same same you know whenever something like Time comes on, uh, still suffering, you know, like th- those. Those songs that were because I always I always joke that like industrial metal, I don't know what it is like the the electronics of it or or what it, or, or what it is, but like it still always sounds new. 
Like it, it always sounds like like something that that just came out that somebody just sat down and was like, I could mix I could mix electronic elements with metal and it'd be awesome, you know. And like that stuff still blows my mind. Even and this could just be because like I'm old, but like to me it sounds new. It sounds fresh, even well, yeah, all these because, years later. And all, a lot of it too is it shouldn't have worked. When I was telling my friends, I said, yeah, I'm getting, I'm involved with this band called Circle of Dust. And I'll never forget one of my friends, this guy, Mike was like, what do you mean? You're playing heavy guitars with drum machines. <laughs> no one's going to listen to that crap. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. He's like, nobody wants that. But Clay had been showing me like, you know, I had heard a ministry, but I hadn't really sat and dissected them and really heard anything. Clay was my first experience with that where he was like, we sat, we listened to ministry, and I used to come to the bookstore where he worked. And he was like, dude, there's this new band that just came out. They're called Nine Inch Nails. I was like, oh, no way. He's like, oh, no, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. So we sat at his work, dude. And I was like hyper-focused, like the crackhead, like on the stereo listening. And it was like, I was like, dude, it, it changed me. It changed me to the point where it was like, you mean to tell me guitar, bass, drum, and vocal – now just doesn't have to be drum bass guitar and vocal and throwing little keyboards you can put loops you can put screeches and noises and spoken samples and you know slam a car door and play it backwards and affect it and it's an intro to a song dude it was like it my it still blows my head because that i was joking i would say that's what tainted me musically because it changed my perspective because i was like this was my box you know this is this is how i saw music but seeing that and it was and, and he was like clay was like this is a drop a drop in a bucket you know he was showing me skinny puppy and he was showing me all god flesh and all this stuff oh like, god flesh dude it was yeah like my neurons were like like my head was just spinning like i said it was like oh my god and it just showed me a whole new world that i didn't even know existed you know and here we are look at look here we are all these years now having a podcast discussing this all because of industrial music and what you know what it meant to you what it meant to me and here we are all these years later and it's like it's i don't know it's 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 awesome i I think it's great for myself personally just to have been a part of what was going on then to still be alive to see how bands how bands have evolved since then you know and how like one guy was asking me questions about you know like do you think industrial music will have another big commercial heyday like it did in the 90s like with stabbing westward nine inch nails and stuff and i said i don't know but if you notice since then a lot of modern music has changed a lot of modern music has a lot of loops a lot of sequencing so it's like it became really popular it went from the underground clubs where they were doing 12 inch singles and remixes to the mainstream of radio and then it's like it never went away. All these other bands were like, all of a sudden, Seven Dust has programming in it. And these other bands have drum loops. And, dude, even in the Christian market, like the DC Talks and those other, there was more, you know, what we like to call window dressing underneath it. More, you know, synthesized and created stuff. And it was like, it's kind of good to see because it's like, you know what? It, it's It's kind of showed the impact it had on music and the evolution of it. Yeah. Since then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, 
I mean, yeah, so this is kind of just kind of a funny side story, but on my on my other podcast, we did a interview with a member of Pitch Shifter. If you remember Pitch Shifter. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh he said uh in the interview, he goes so we were like, you know, what's one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to you? you know, playing live. And he goes, it was probably a club that I was playing. I think he was playing in, in, in great Britain and they were like, okay, so are you going to show it to us? And they're like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like they were setting up, you know, and he's like, are you going to show it to us? And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, the drum machine. And he, he's like, what do you, what do you mean? You know? And he's like, he's like the drum machine. These people actually thought that like the drum machine was like a, like a drum set that had, you know, automatic triggers and, and, and stuff on it. And, uh, yeah, we got a pretty big laugh out of that because it's just like that's the way people viewed it in the 90s because it was so it was so different. It was so artificial, you know. And I'm sure, you know, at some point if somebody got Trent Reznor on, he probably has a similar story, you know. Um, yeah. Or even Clayton, probably somebody probably asked him at one point, like, "What? Where is the machine? What? What does it look yeah, like? What, what, you know? what makes the noises? What makes the noises? You know? <laughs> well, dude, it's funny because um, Depeche Mode, you know, they, they when they first started, they played to a drum machine. I don't know if you saw old videos. Yeah, they had like basically it looked like a stool with a with a reel to reel player. Yeah, and it used to sit in the back, and they used to put two lights on it like it was a band member. Yeah, that's yep. so so cool. They named it too, didn't they? I can't remember what the name was, but they named yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's escaping me right now. But yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. funny. Like, and uh, Jeff, the uh, the other host of discography discussion. Whenever you said, uh, whenever you said that you guys had had the side project that sounded like God lives underwater meets Depeche Mode, I guarantee you, even if you guys only ever sell one album of that, it will be to Jeff. Because that's like, that's like literally his, his whole deal is, is he's like every single day, dude, like, like last week we put, we, uh, I think it was today that the episode came out or maybe yesterday we, we were talking about the band obituary or whatever. And, uh, even, even during the obituary episode, a band that has nothing to do with any of that stuff, he still brings up Depeche Mode and God lives underwater. And you know, <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome though. Yeah. Dude, yeah. God Lives Underwater was one of the most, I think, underrated bands. Pat and I went to see them at this place called Coney Island High um, in Manhattan. We watched them play. It, dude, we saw them We saw them play a bunch of times. We saw them play with Stabbing Westward at Webster Hall. But the, the Coney Island High was, dude, it was small. Maybe like, it fit like maybe 150 people. It was on like a second floor. And it was great. And they did that thing where like, as they played, the music kind of tapered off and they were like beating on drums and stuff. And one by one, the members would just walk off and strip parts. Like one guy would take a <laughs> snare. Another guy would just walk away with the cymbals. Another guy took the kick drum. So the guy was just sitting there like hitting a tom and a cymbal and a snare. And then the snare would disappear. And and then we ended up talking to them and, and helped. Them. It was funny too because Pat and I ended up helping them load out that night. So it was just so great. But they're just one of those bands that like, they were at the forefront of that. When they first came out, like when their first album came out, people were like, if you put Alice in Chains and Nine Inch Nails in a blender, you get God Lives Underwater. Because I, I remember specifically, especially with, you know, David Riley's voice, he had a kind of Lane Staley-ish vibe to it. Sure, yeah. But it was like, dude, even that last album, Up Off the Floor, like, 
they were ahead of their time. They should have been, they should have been mammothly huge, you know, just because of, but the songs I do, it's so funny because Pat and I will message each other. I said, dude, I broke out life in the so-called space age today. Oh, no way. I said, dude, I always forget how awesome that album is. I might go through a cycle where I don't listen to it for like eight months or a year or something. And then all of a sudden I'll put it on and I, dude, I get to that first song and I'm just like, uh, nah, nah, nah. where you're at, you shouldn't be, although I wish I was too. And it's like, the, it, it's weird because it ropes me in and it like, magically takes me away to a different time and place when I remember you know, the innocence of youth, drag racing and stuff and listening to this and being like, man, these guys are doing this and it's just simple loops and just crazy, like analog synths. And it's, that was one of the reasons why, like when we first was messing around with the synth pop lullaby stuff and we were like, we didn't sit down and say, we want to sound like this. It was just like, let's just mess with something different and see what comes up. And we were kind of sitting there and like, what does it sound like to you? And we're like, it doesn't sound like God Lives Underwater, but this sounds like something God Lives Underwater would have done. Right. You know what I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And it was just kind of cool because it was like, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. I even showed, you know, I showed Brian some songs when he was here. I've showed some of my friends when they come out and it's like, it's like, it's cool because it's a departure. And that's what I loved about, you know, God Lives uh, I, I can go off for hours. I just, no, no, it's cool. Mode is just, it's just, it's so great to see, you know, especially a band like Depeche Mode that had such a career they were the beginning of the what was considered alternative movement. And it's so yeah. funny because what was considered alternative then is now like, it's not alternative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, Something it totally become, different. Yeah. Yeah. More mainstream and just, you know, dude, when you saw like the old videos when like Depeche Mode started playing like the Rose Bowl. Yeah. You're like, it was almost like a slap in the face, a realization of this this band is way bigger than I ever thought. Yeah. I thought you know I was into this cool underground thing and it's actually humongous. Everybody loves it. Your mom yeah. listens to it. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was underground, but it just came above ground so fast and you just didn't know. Like it was like, and you didn't, you didn't see it as it was happening. It just kind of happened. Like you turn your head one day and you're like, Oh, this, this band is huge. Like, da da, like out of nowhere. Right. Crazy. Yeah. It's funny. My, my God lives underwater story is really funny in that. So the first time I met Jeff, right. Um, this is before we did a podcast together, before we were friends, you know, I, uh, Jeff worked at a video game store and, um, he, I would go in there all the time and buy video games or whatever. And eventually him and I started talking about music and, and about stuff like that. Cause I'd wear, I'd wear band shirts and stuff in there or whatever. And he's like, you need to check out this band. God lives underwater. And I remember like listening to it and being like, well, I listen to stuff like living sacrifice, you know, <laughs> or like, you know, I listen to really heavy stuff, you know, like yeah. it was, you know, um, morbid angel or you know, like that sort of stuff. And, uh, he's like, no, but seriously, this band God lives underwater. And he, every time I would come into the store, there, there was even a point where I would actually avoid coming into the store when Jeff was there because I knew, I knew that he was going to try to sell me on this band God lives underwater. And, uh, oh. And over and over and over again. And so it was hard to break like my metal mind about it, you know, because um, it's like, you know, if they're not screaming, I'm not listening. If they're not, if they're not playing a blast beat, I'm not tapping my feet, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff. Not heavy enough. Yeah. It's, it <laughs> needs to be brutal, you know, all the time. And, uh, 
it was so funny. And then eventually Jeff ended up like one day he just wasn't there anymore. You know, he quit or left or whatever. And then I think it was like four years later or two years later or something like that. I uh, was down on my luck. I had been let go from my job. And I remember calling the game store owner and being like, hey, can I work a couple hours a week or whatever? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I ended up working at the store. And then Jeff, and then Jeff started coming into the store. Uh, <laughs> so it was like the weirdest, it was like the weirdest role reversal, you know, in the entire world. And, he, and of course, as soon as he comes into the store, because now, now it's like, now it's like worst case scenario. I'm at work. And I'm stuck there for eight hours. You're trapped. And this guy comes in and he's like, you need to listen to God comes. God lives underwater. Uh, he's like, pull up your app, you know, pull up whatever it is you listen to music on, pull up YouTube, pull up anything you got to do. I'm going to make you listen to God lives underwater right now. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, all, 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 and eventually I, I came around. You know what I mean? It was one of those, yeah. like, I don't know if I had a choice in the matter or, or what it was, but I eventually came around and him and I started talking about all kinds of music. And, um, I remember when we started the podcast, we had another guy named Josh in there and he was cool, but he, he got to a point where he was like, dude, my wife's not going to let me do this every week. Like you guys do and all that. And I remember, I remember being like, who do I know that's just going to shove music down somebody's throat? Whether they want it or not, yes. Immediately, yes. immediately, I called Jeff. I was like, "Dude, you need to come on. You need to be on the podcast. <laughs> you need to do all you know." And uh, you know, yeah. the rest is history or whatever. But like, it's uh, it's it's that that band is it's so funny that we that we even talk about it because that band is so has so much so much hand in what we do even though we only talk like we talk about like so many brutal bands and death yeah. metal bands and grindcore and you know all that stuff or whatever um it's so funny how it all just comes back to that god lives underwater you know you need to listen to this trust me yeah. it's going to change your life in a way that you're not going to believe and uh yeah, I just I don't know. It's 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 a side story. Joe's more than welcome to cut it out of the podcast if he wants, but like it's just Yeah. Well, dude, I will still say hands down today their cover of David Bowie's Fame from that 15 minutes movie. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard it, dude. It is one of the best covers ever. It first of all, it friggin' bumps and it's living it's it's God lives underwater. It's it's David Bowie, but when it starts, you know it's God lives on. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. know it's their take on it, and it's just it's one of the, still fame, one of the best covers ever. And every once in a while, I'll pull it up on YouTube, and it's just like it's one of those ones I have to listen to like three or four times. I just can't listen. I can't listen to it once. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally in at this point, and I don't even know why we haven't done an episode on the podcast about God lives underwater. It needs to happen. You should try to get Jeff Terzo, the the uh, the second guy that was in it, because you know David Riley, the singer, died. Yeah, yeah. years ago, but I would try to get Jeff Terzo at some point just to see. And if you know what, if your friend Jeff is that big of a God Lives Underwater fan, he must already know about Wired All Wrong. Yeah. Because that was after, you know, Jeff Terzo did that after God Lives Underwater. He did that with that guy, Matt Mahaffey from Self. Yeah. The band called Self. And it was, for me too, that was cool because it was God Lives Underwater-esque. 
yeah. but with that little bit more of the, the turntable kind of feel. Like almost, and I don't want to say DJ-ish, but it was, I think, the next progression of the electronics that like Jeff Terzo was into. It was like less rock, but more club. Like if that's a, if that's a way to describe it, you know? Yes. And yeah, totally, totally cool. Yeah. Jeff has definitely, um, educated me on a lot of that stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, like, you want to talk about napalm death, you call me, but you want to talk about Godless underwater, you call Jeff, you know, like, <laughs> and, uh, it's so great. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm, I can't wait to text him when we're done talking about it and be all like, dude, <laughs> You're never going to guess what came up in conversation today. What? Right. God lives underwater. What? I was like, we started talking about Circle of Dust, and then it turned into it turned into God lives underwater. I, I can't, you know. <laughs> and, and it's fine. I'm going to leave it all in because it's all gold. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, Sorry, uh, I'm reloading the cat food, so I had to duck out of sight. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, man. You're absolutely good. Um. We are hitting the two-hour mark, though, and I think Joe's going to murder me if I ask him to add another two-hour podcast. Yeah, we'll save um, that for another time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, like, the professional podcaster thing and be all like, Clank, thank you so much for taking out your time. Doesn't mean we have to stop talking, but it's last we have to stop talking on the official record. Yes. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do that now, and then hopefully, hopefully, Joe's gonna cut this part of the podcast. If not, he's just gonna leave it in because he thinks it's funny. But, <laughs> He'll think it's hysterical. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Clank, thank you so much, man, for taking the time out. I really appreciate it. You know, I know um, we're not all super busy, but we're busy enough to where you know I appreciate you take the time out to talk to me, and uh, and that we we covered a lot of stuff, man. It, we we really went a lot of places, and I I love it. Some people might call it disorganized, but I, I loved it. So <laughs> that's my brain. That's disorganized. The short attention span. But yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, and I, again, I appreciate, and I know my bandmates appreciate what you do for bands like us, what you do for bands like Zayo and all the other bands that you talk to and help get the message about out. Because at the end of the day, it's about the fans and the listeners and the people like yourself that are, you know, um, movers and shakers in, in doing interviews and getting people that might not be normally exposed to it, to the different things, which is one of the joys of programs like yours. So, uh, you know, thank you very much for, for having me and discussing and, you know, and what you do as a member of the music journal society. I dig it and I appreciate it very much. So I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>